Welcome to Behavior Babes podcast presented by me, Dr. Amanda Kelly. Behavior management in the classroom is a skill that takes years to develop. As somebody with a background in elementary education, in addition to being a licensed behavior analyst, I've put together the top 10 tips I have for teachers to help your classrooms run more smoothly. The first tip is to get organized, to make sure that all the materials you have belong in a certain place. So everything has a space and is in its place. That can really help your classroom feel organized. It can also help create a sense of community and responsibility for your students. If things are in a certain space and they are out of the the walkway or they are decluttering their environment, it can also be really helpful to feeling like we are ready to go, that our brains are clear, and it can be uh, indicative of moving on and having a great lesson. It's also really important that we provide clear expectations and develop our classroom rules. In almost every classroom that I have been in, there have been classroom rules, although I've seen a large fluctuation in variance um, from the rules that, that have been written. A lot of the research suggests that making the rules with your students will be the most effective in having them develop ownership and having them follow those rules. It is also important and suggested by the research that we pose our rules in positive, so the behaviors that we wish to see, rather than in the negative form or behaviors we wish to not see. For example, some rules have said things like no calling out. Rather than saying no calling out, we can say we wait our turn to share information or we raise our hand to ask a question, whatever might be appropriate in your setting. It's going to be really incredibly important to consider the age and the grade in which you're working with, as well as the needs of your particular classroom. One book that I recommend is called The First Six Weeks of School, and that can help you develop these rules and know where to get started at the first day, as well as how you can refine your rules a few weeks in once you get to know your class better. Modeling expectations is the third recommendation we have. Teachers are constantly teaching, whether it's a contrived or planned teachable situation or just a natural teachable moment. It is up to us to model the expectations for our students. Of course, there's that phrase, do as I say, not as I do. But we know through the study of human behavior that we often do what is modeled for us. So did your parents leave a lot of dishes in the sink? If not, then you may also be a person who isn't likely to do that. In the classroom, we should make sure that we model the expectations with our materials and with each other, as well as we do with math, reading, science, or any other academic instruction. What we mean by that is making sure that children have an opportunity to practice and observe and receive feedback on things such as lining up or where the materials go, or how to walk across the classroom with a pair of scissors. Interactive modeling is one approach and one way in which we do that. The fourth tip and recommendation is to say what you mean and to mean what you say. If you say to the classroom something like, we're going to be cleaning up in one minute, but five minutes goes by before you acknowledge that statement or make a change to your rule, Eventually, your students are going to learn to kind of disregard what you say or to tune out some of the information you're giving them. This can be really confusing for students and incredibly frustrating for teachers because we feel like our students are being selective, um, and they are, and it may be as a result of our own actions. So if we say we're going to be cleaning up in one minute, but then the principal walks in the classroom, and I know I'm going to need to talk to him for a few minutes, I will say to the class, class, 
we were going to be cleaning up in one minute but we have a visitor here so you're going to have a little bit more time i will ring the bell when it's time for you to pack up so you either need to acknowledge that you're going to be making a change or you need to identify ahead of time what is a realistic expectation and make a statement that you can follow through with. So say what you mean and mean what you say. The fifth recommendation is to use visuals and gestures and to try to decrease any overuse of verbal talking or prompting that we may not need in the classroom. When we're trying to provide instructions to a learner or we want them to you know, be quiet while another person is talking, we certainly could put our finger in front of our lips and signify that we are waiting. If we are expecting a student to raise their hand before we were able to call on them, we may walk into close proximity, raise our hand, and wait for them until they raise their hand. There's also other ways to communicate using visuals and gestures, such as developing a symbol that says, me too, or I connect with what you're saying. As a young learner myself, when I was in elementary school, I often would interrupt or jump in or would kind of take over someone's story to tell mine. And what my intention was really was to say, I connect with what you're saying. I feel like we have a shared experience. And if I had that that signal, if you will, to give to my classmates like, hey, me too, or yeah, I, I've experienced that, I've lived through that that really could have decreased some of the challenging behaviors that my teachers were faced with having me in their classroom. Uh, a word to the wise regarding visuals, make sure that your visuals are um, something that your students understand. Sometimes we look at some of the pre-made visuals and they are like the sign language for all done. If your students don't understand what that sign language symbol is, the picture of the sign language um, isn't going to communicate what we want it to communicate. Also, be really careful not to have too many visuals, so many that the ones that you need learners to orient to don't stand out. We want them to be salient. The sixth recommendation is to provide directions versus asking questions when we're trying to give instructions. Rather than saying, can you meet me at the back table? You would say, class, grab your notebook and meet me at the back table. Rather than saying, can you find a peer to work with? Find a peer, buddy up, and get started. Let me know if you need help. So just because we're providing instructions in a directive way doesn't mean that it has to come across as authoritative or in a way that could be perceived as negative to the students. Sometimes I find that teachers, when I'm in a consultative capacity, have a hard time with this because they are worried about how their tone will sound. Um, if you accidentally say something like, can you grab your math book? And a student says, no, it's understandable that you're going to become frustrated as the teacher. What I'm asking you to consider is that you set the stage for that. And you can change that by saying, I need you to grab your math book and come to the table. Or if you're not able to come right now, um, here's your other option. And you can provide that other option. If you've already asked the question and a learner answers like, hey, can you give me that black crayon? And they say, no. You'll say, okay, finish the part that you're working on, and then I'm going to need your black crayon, and you can give it as a directive or a statement. When we are providing any corrective feedback or when we're needing to attend to undesired behaviors, it's really important that we keep it short, that we keep the conversation short. And the reason why I suggest this is so that we minimize the likelihood that any challenging behaviors are going to be maintained by attention. 
Now, a lot of times we think students would prefer to have our positive and desired and loving affection and attention. And that's probably true for many children in many situations in most cases. But sometimes children uh, or individuals in general seek out any attention that they can get. And as a teacher, depending on the needs of your class and the size of your class, you may not be able to provide this individualized attention some students are looking for. And we find that sometimes that's when students will engage in a challenging behavior. So a recommendation is to keep it short. Another reason why that recommendation is made is because if you're feeling angry or frustrated or elevated, you're not going to be able to receive a lot of information. Think about when you've been in a situation like that and someone just keeps talking to you or you've gotten some very upsetting news and people keep talking. It's almost as if you can't hear them. So it's really important and I make that recommendation for those two reasons. We also want to make sure that we use reinforcing language and that we catch our students being good. What I mean by that is saying things like, you're really focused on your work today, or you came in, got your materials, and got right to work. Um, I like how the two of you sat down and tried to figure this out, and then when you couldn't, you asked another peer. So catch students being good. Emphasize the behavior that it is that they're doing that you want to see them continue to do. And then as a teacher, make sure that you're reflecting from your experiences. In the words of John Dewey, we do not learn from experience. We learn from reflecting on experience. That means that we're all going to have lessons that don't go the way we want, or we're going to have behaviors that we're not sure how to handle, or we're going to have children who didn't perform the way we had hoped. And that's just life. It's okay. What we should do then is reflect on those situations and make refinements if necessary moving forward. And the 10th and final recommendation that I offer for you today is to breathe. Literally, take a breath. Do it with me. Breathe in and breathe out. And in that breath, in that moment, remember that you are doing the best that you can, that you are there because you care for your students, and that you are recognized and appreciated by more people than you may be aware. Take an opportunity to realize that you are your own worst critic and that you are doing a good job. And if there's something that you want to do better, then make sure that you seek out that information, that you are looking to supports and mentors, and that you are able to advocate for yourself and for your students. For more information related to education and applied behavior analysis, you can visit www.behaviorbabe.com.